everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Well, the great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, I got a job for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Yeah, hey, Douglas and David, i got to say, I was interviewed on NPR by Scott Simon, another hero, but you guys are my new heroes, and I easily include you into the Scott Simon milieu of brilliant guys on radio. Oh, man, wow, so. thank you. How about that? Now, this is Douglas Viviani with David Cohen, the luminary himself. David, why am I calling you a luminary? Uh, you know, you got me stumped on this one. How about Because that? of the luminaries that we've had on the show? Yes, exactly. We have some high praise indeed from Peter Weller there, Dr. Peter Weller of RoboCop and uh, 24 and so many more things. A friend of the show, but he's an example of the friends that Everything Old is New Again has made through the years. And now, while the core of our show are not interviews with celebrities, that's not the main thing we do, we we have had the pleasure of inviting and, and welcoming probably five to ten a year uh, that we've had on the on the show. And, uh, you know, the likes of Jay Johnson, Alan Alda, Walter Koenig, Terry Winter, Paul Savino, Burt Ward himself, Robin, right? So in other words, uh, uh, luminaries that are slightly more well-known than we are. Just a smidgen, just a smidge. We've had a we present a little smidge of Hollywood to to our listeners, our faithful and uh, loyal listeners that are enjoying everything old is new again uh, for the entering our fifth year in May. So we're sort of, you know, celebrating uh, 2018 this week again, second week. And let's take a look at celebrities, the celebrities we've had on the show. And um, and if you've missed any of these shows, please feel free to go to everything old is new again dot biz is everything old is new again dot biz and you'll see all of our old shows listed there and if not go to youtube we've got a youtube channel everything old is new again radio and you'll see about 240 shows listed there we're entering our sixth year right because may of 19 will, of, will be five years so see. we're in the fifth year now may good question may 2014 we started may 3rd so th- 14, May, through 15. May 15, that's our first year. Right. 16 is our second. Right. 17 is our third. 18 is our fourth. 19 is our fifth year. Well, it's, it's, so May May of 19 will be the start of our sixth year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting it yeah. wrong. Yeah, you're right. Holy so smokes. We're, we're in our fifth year. Wow. How about that? Time, time is flying quicker than you Holy think. Holy smokes. Uh, let's see what Chris Difford from Squeeze, which was a, a guest that we enjoyed, we'd like to have some more time with. And uh, he's a co-writer of all the Squeeze songs. He does the lyrics. And uh, we we invited him on board and had some fun. He was actually calling in from London. Yes. How about that? Mm. Chris Difford, welcome to the show, Chris. It's very kind of you to invite me along to the show. You're nuts, you too. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> for spending you. time with us here and Everything Old is New Again. No, thank you. Thanks, thank Chris. Thank you for your time. What a wonderful show. Thank you. All right. So he calls us nuts on the way in, and we have a wonderful show on the nuts, way out. And nuts because we were heaping all kinds of praise on him. Because we're, we're big fans of Squeeze, and I think it was really difficult for us to uh, to hide our excitement of having him on. It really was. It's a good <laughs> example of that. Listen to Did this. Glenn ever change or tweak any of the lyrics that you wrote? No, not at all. And that was wow. quite an amazing feat um, to accept a lyric and then just sort of 
sing a melody to it. That's quite an incredible thing that he's done. And we just we, we that was maybe the most legitimate question, uh, but we were. Oh we come were, on! <laughs> I think there were a lot of legitimate questions. <laughs> no, we did good. You did well. I was more or less a uh, uh, fan boy, if you will. I was just kind of. Uh, you know, I was there, and uh, you know when you did a show at Madison Square Garden. Do you remember? Yeah, that? you you were more like that Chris Farley character. <laughs> remember when you were in Squeeze? <laughs> right. That was awesome. <laughs> no, I was getting into the nitty gritty of the song structure and all that. Velvet kind of Underground, very nerdy stuff. And, yeah, as yeah, a relation with with John Cale. Yeah, I was getting really deep. Thank God you were here that day. <laughs> <laughs> he continued. The, Do I note a bit of sarcasm in that? Uh, no, I don't. Because he would have said uh, it would have been reversed. He would have said we were wonderful on the way in and nuts on the way out instead of the reverse. That's true. If it was yeah. just me, anyway. So. <laughs> but that was great fun. And, and you know what? He's coming to New York, and we're going to give it a shot. I'm going to communicate with him down the line. He'll be in here in May, and um, we're going to March, right? I'm is sorry, March? March. You're right. May is the the date of our anniversary uh <laughs> march i'm going to you know go maybe if you want to go with me he's going to be in new york city for sure we know one date already yeah it'd be nice if you know we got invited to the show yes i don't well, think gonna, it's gonna happen we're gonna invite ourselves and then we're gonna right. knock on the stage door and <laughs> hey remember us the nuts we're gonna wear our shirts and he's gonna somebody please lock the door <laughs> do not let those gentlemen in here <laughs> we'll see what happens I'll, we'll notify we'll warn ahead of time and maybe we'll bring a microphone and just put it in my pocket oh yeah he'll, he'll appreciate that <laughs> tape him without him not only are we intruding on your life but we're taping it and we're gonna put it on the air without your permission no we would never do that but uh, th- th- we'll we'll have some fun we'll probably have a story or two maybe thereafter you know? I think so alright and how about you know another big star of the 70s, Hal Linden was on our show and for an hour, and he was a, a pretty cool guest. What a great guy, wasn't he? Great interview. So... He had so professional, but he added a lot of things. He spoke about a lot of things, and one of which was I tried, tried to interconnect the fact that we had Alan Alda on the show previously, who knows Hal Linden from a Broadway play and from a movie. So I threw that out there, and believe it or not, one of my gambles paid off. We actually got a good Alan Alda story from Hal Linden through some odd connection that I made with a clip. Uh, so here we go. We also appeared on Broadway together. Oh, I didn't realize that. And what was that? Yes, in The Apple Tree, a uh, musical by Harnick and Bach in 19... 19- 60-something, 67, I think it was. Was he as pleasant and thoughtful and professional as uh, we found him to be? I mean, uh, Alan, Alan is... Alan... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Here's it. We were on Broadway together. Now, I lived... The Brother Theater was on 52nd Street, I believe. And we I lived on 101st. So, on a two-day, two-show day, in between, uh, I would go out and have some dinner or something and then come back lie down take a rest and go where again and I, again i was 50 blocks from where i lived alan lived in i believe it was clifton new jersey and he would get in his little volkswagen and go up across the george washington bridge to clifton new jersey so he could have dinner with his family wow. and come right back and do the second show that's amazing that was the difference that was yes I always was 
totally amazed by that. That's the kind of guy I am. Hmm. There he is. I was. Uh, I thought that was interesting. You don't hear that story no, every day. No, you would never hear that story, right? So there's. A, is that a scoop? Qualifying? I think we have our first scoop. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. But that was a, a lot of fun to to hear behind the scenes of two 1970s television icons. I mean, you may or may not recognize the names now. You really should still even you know live 50 years later. Come on, Barney Miller and Hawkeye. Yeah, Please. I mean that's unbelievable that they were on. <laughs> Our show it really had is, the opportunity right? to speak with them. They left with a smile. They both uh, were happy with the presentation. You know, sure. So that was fun. And and what we tried to do is I I always try to do a little something different. I brought to the table a little bit of a clip here that actually stumped for a moment. Hal Linden. There we go. We're back and everything old is new again. Listening to a little jazz clarinet there and some singing by uh, Barney Miller himself, uh, Hal Linden. I'm here, of course, with uh, David Cohen. Uh, Mr. Linden, I don't know if you would have expected to hear that clip, but it does uh, present us and introduce us to another world that you were in. What show is that from, Ike? <laughs> <laughs> the Muppet Show back in the 70s. How about oh, that? The Muppet. Oh, that's right. The Muppets. <laughs> oh, yes. There you go. <laughs> Something you'd, maybe he forgot. He only did it one day or one week. I think about how many projects this guy's been exactly. working on, right? And I don't know if the Muppets would be right up there as the, <laughs> the top ten. I yeah. pulled that out. But then he had a story about that. He did. He, he actually about how did. He, was, right. had a, he played the clarinet. He had the kind of, I'm going to call it lip sync, you know, whatever, the notes on the clarinet. Along with what he originally Play did, by ear, yeah. So uh, that was interesting too. So I, you know, it's they. I think to me, my perspective is there are certain interviews they're going to hear the same questions all the time. We talked about the movie, the Samuel Pot Project, which is what he was in, which was a very interesting project and a nice movie. Right. Um, so we spoke about that for sure, and he had his standard responses as as everyone does. They're doing press, you know. But when you bring up these other topics things that they've done in the past that are rather obscure, I think to get a kick out of it that you, oh, well, I, I do remember doing that. We did it at Walter Koenig also. Well, lots of them. We always try to do something to bring to the table that other people are not going to ask. Exactly. Like and the Velvet and, Underground. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. With Chris Differ. But I, a lot of that credit goes to you because you, you're the one that digs up all the all the dirt. No, all the all the stuff from the past and gets them reminiscing and talking about it. Ooh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's nice to have actually have a nice result. Yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to. I don't know what that is. Why'd you play it? Leave me alone. But that's you never know? happened, right? Not that's yet. Never Thank Most goodness. times it's like, oh yeah, right. right. And then and then a story comes to mind. And and really, how often in these people's lives these days are they ha- are they having an opportunity to talk about the stuff that they did, they did so many years ago that that not everyone knows about? Correct. That's not Hawkeye or is not ha- uh, Barney Miller. And that's what you're gonna get again on everything old is new again. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Okay, what, what is happening now, Jay? Well, we're going to return to Everything Old is New Again with uh, uh, Doug and Dave. Oh, okay. I got nothing else better to do. Yeah, welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. That was Jay Johnson, one of our first celebrity guests. The second one was Bob. <laughs> is a ventriloquist dummy, I guess you could say. Yes. Or vent. And I'll tell you, it was... Go back to that show on old... Everything old is new again dot biz. Everything old is new again dot biz. Uh, Jay Johnson was another great 
interview, and it was a nice foray into interviewing celebrities, which is a d- different skill set than just sitting and talking to you and I. Absolutely. And yeah, you sort of like cut your teeth on that one, right? Yeah, I was nervous, and uh, he was very good, and it was funny because I threw a lot of clips at him. I had no hesitation, and I don't do it as much now. I want to hear more from the celebrities, so to speak, but I was so kind of nervous as what to do. I want to pro- propel the conversation. I threw, you know, W.C. Fields clips. And Edward Bergen clips. And he him. ate it up, though. He, he loved it. He loved it, and he he there was nothing he didn't know about his profession. Right. It was True. amazing. Um, you know, other people, you know, I'm sure would not have the answers to the questions we threw at him. So, and they weren't all softballs with respect and, to that. And if he didn't have the answer, then Bob did. So exactly. they, work, they work really well together. <laughs> that was so much fun. That was great. Uh, so anyway, we're talking about. 2018, the celebrities we had on the show then, we had Nick Stellino. Uh, he's from PBS. He all these cooking shows. I watch almost all of them. I'm telling you, this guy is tremendous. He's very underrated. You probably never see him. Better than Valerie Bertinelli? <laughs> I saw her in a cookie sh- cooking show while I was on the treadmill at the gym the other day. Yeah. Didn't know she had a cooking show. Yeah, she... Yeah, she she's very entertaining, though. Look, I don't know if she's about. a good cook, but she's fun to watch. It's, it's, a, it's a nice... Um, pastime for sure and and some people take it like that and that's great this guy tells you Serious, the techniques right? though like ah. techniques that you you know need to to learn a little bit besides what valerie's going to tell you about put a, a pinch of this and a cup of that got it so uh listen to a little something what he has to say about i life. wanted to know like how did you like start this whole like thing this whole thing happened because i fell in love with uh, a beautiful girl and i wanted her to be proud of me and there's something uh, unbelievable as to what happens to the ambition of a man when he wants to look good in front of the love of his wife and, and you followed your dream, right? Just trying to tell Angelica that's yeah. important to do is... I had no idea what was coming next, but through a series of searches, including washing dishes at the restaurant, I eventually found my way. And Angelica, this uh, will also happen to you. One day you'll find for yourself uh, a fork in the road and you'll have to choose which way you want to go. Sometimes the safest route is uh, money. The other safest route is to be happy. And I tell you, being happy trumps money any day. There you go. And, and, right, Angelica? Does that make sense? Yeah. Great. There you go. He even had the... Uh, first of all, let's think about the, the they say chutzpah out in our way here, the guts to put on an uh, eight-year-old at the time. With, with, it wasn't just with, a random eight-year-old. Let's just be clear with the audience. That yeah. was uh, Doug's, uh, Doug's daughter, right? And, and, and she loves the show, so I said, we have to get her on to allow her to ask questions of him. And he was very gregarious. He was very nice. Yes. He had a great accent. He had a great presentation. He right. used her name. He made her feel good. Yeah. You got to give this guy some credit, you know? Absolutely. Uh, so that was that was. <laughs> that was a lot of fun to talk to him. We we um, she's a better interviewer than you are right now. <clears throat> <clears throat> My gosh, are people still listening to the radio? You betcha. Yes, Absolutely. they are. Absolutely, and one form that's or why you're you know what you're doing right now. Uh, everything old is new again. Yes, it is. It's new. It's something that people have not done for a while and say, "Oh my gosh, I could listen to that." They're creative people. And that's what's wonderful. Yeah. See, that's how I'm going to throw that right back at you to that response about the uh, Angelica being a better interviewer than I am. Who was that? <laughs> <laughs> that was a show that you couldn't make. You was you were under the weather. Ah, and that was the what... Radio Mystery Theater show that we did. We did two of them with Bob Caliban and Paul Hecht, I both see. of which had been on at least 130 or 150 episodes of Radio Mystery Theater. 
which was a show in the 70s on the radio that for every uh, for an hour it was twilight zone ish and uh and beyond it had some great episodes it was on for about 10 years and uh he was in studio with us from long island cool and he i, I was just enthralled with having both of them here uh, people think about this like, you know, I'm 16, 15, 14, and I'm listening to the radio almost every night at 7 o'clock after dinner while getting ready for bed and whatever, doing homework, and there's this voice and, and the, Paul's voice, Heck's voice also, presenting a story to me, and now umpteen years later, these two are in the studio, as gregarious as can be, talking about their experience i just thought that it was beyond that is that's pretty cool yeah it that's was cool. for me i mean i don't know if anybody else cared. no but hey listen it's personal <laughs> to you and and i think that if you listen to that show which i did even oh. though i wasn't present um you know you could tell sometimes you know you don't have to have the same experience but you know you could relive your own experiences through uh, through someone else and listening to you and your excitement and obviously what it meant to you to have these guys on the show certainly came through so uh, that was really well done. That's nice to hear. Yeah, and it it also like it helps you with the interview when you relate more and are involved with the projects that these people were in. Right, like Alan Alda with Mash. We didn't talk much about Mash, so it's a little more difficult. I read his book and we went through it, but I wasn't like a hundred percent like, oh, I, I you know this is Shakespeare. But it was nice. I enjoyed it. But this stuff was was something I was invested in. Sure, does that make sense? Yeah. And then we had uh, Jim Layritz. Which, boy, we're both big Yankee fans. Yes. And uh, what did you think of having him on the air? I thought it was great. Uh, listen, I'd have any old Yankee on. Uh, not just any old Yankee. <laughs> no, I would, I would have any Yankee on. Are you kidding? And uh, he was known for, uh, for certain World Series heroics, and it was a great, great interview. It I really thought. was a lot of fun. And he had some cool stories that oh, came he out. Did. And here's one about Johnny Bench. It's a little, little long, but it's well worth the listen. But there was one time that really changed my, really changed a lot in my life. And, uh, it was Aeropar Seasons World of Sports had come down to film a show, uh, and they were going to do hitting with Pete Rose and catching with Johnny Bench. And at that time, Pete was like my idol. I mean, I, I, I wore number 14. I, I, you know, I, I ran to first base after a walk. I really idolized everything that he did. And unfortunately, he picked Tommy to do the hitting, and he picked, and I got with Johnny Bench to do the catching. <laughs> and. At the time, I was a shortstop center fielder. I was like the athlete, so I, I, never, I, I didn't really do any catching. Well, we did the catching segment with Johnny Bench, and we, you know, I did the drills. I threw down the second base. We did, you know, he, I was the, like the kid that was showing what he was teaching. And after we got done, he called me over and he said, "Hey, kid," he said, uh, "You know, you do those drills pretty good." He goes, "You a catcher?" I said, "No, Mr. Bench, I'm a, I'm a shortstop center fielder. I wanted to kind of, I kind of pattern myself after Pete." And he said, "Well, you know, son, catching is the quickest way to the big leagues." Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. I think I was 13 or 14 years old. I'm like, "Well, Mr. Bench, yeah, that's great," you know. And I think he could tell I wasn't buying into it. <laughs> and he took off his glove, his catcher's mitt, and he signed it to me. He said, "Maybe this will help you." Oh wow, that's yeah. cool. So, from that day on, guys, I went home that night. I told my father, I am going to be a catcher. <laughs> and from, from that day on, I became a catcher. And then you asked later on, go ahead. Oh, no, I had a comment. Forget oh, it. I'm not going to say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was really funny, but very rude. Go ahead. <laughs> um, 
he took that glove that was signed by Johnny Bench, at the, which is a catcher's mitt. He had no other catcher's mitt because, again, he was a center fielder and right. a shortstop. Short so he used uh, that right. glove uh. until it deteriorated. Uh, I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, it was, he, he was uh, amazing to another one. Like, wow, we're talking to Jim Leyrich. I had seasons to the Yankees all those years, 95 to 2005, behind first base. So he was... And we wow. would go, and he, I mean, he's, he's pretty big he's on the team. He's a big personality. Yeah. Yes, and he hit some great homers. And, again, to be able to interact like that. And uh, he had some difficult times, and we spoke about that. He had a book that came out that I read that was terrific. And, uh, boy, what a lot of fun to, to, to hear that. Hopefully, again, the listener, again, we're across the nation here. Not everybody's a New York Yankees fan, but he had lessons and stories to tell that go beyond the provincial Yankee fan thing. Right. You know? Agreed. Yeah. And we didn't just talk about, you know, do you remember hitting that home run? <laughs> remember when you were in the Yankees? That's awesome. <laughs> so he was he was a lot of fun, and I hope to get more sports people on the show. It's difficult because the connections that I have are not in that realm, so it it's harder to get their contact information. Right. Um, I've reached out. I've tried for others. Hey, but if any happen. of you listeners out there are sports legends or know a sports legend, please let us know. Exactly. On yeah. everything We'd old be happy to have you or him or her. All you need to do is write us old new again at AOL.com, old new again at AOL.com. The question is, are sports part of the pop culture when we talk about pop culture? Of course oh, I think they, is, they right? are, sure. Absolutely. Sure. There's a big crossover there. Yeah. Um, who would you want to have if you could have a sports person oh, wow. on the show? Like one? Yeah, give me a couple of names. Throw them out. Uh, I'll give you one for each of the four major sports. All right, go that? ahead. That's okay. good. So baseball, I I definitely want to have Aaron Judge on. Okay. Not just because he's a Yankee. I think he's just a good spokesperson yes. for the game. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, football, good personality, I think, would Doesn't be... Doesn't be somebody present. It could be any time. Oh, it could be, like, through history? Who's, no, well, I mean, who's alive, now. you know? I'm, I'm just thinking... Uh, a uh, good football personality is uh, who's the, the Steelers wide receiver, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Really good personality, someone I'd like to speak with. Right. Um, hockey, well, again, if we can go back, Wayne Gretzky, no, no doubt in my mind, or Mark Messier. One okay, of those two. I would say Bossy or uh, Trottier, but right, okay. depending upon your <laughs> affiliation, right, right, or maybe like an old, old time hockey great. Like to talk about the game. Gordy Howe is he still exactly, around? Exactly. I. I'm not sure. I don't know. I should I look know. some of these up. This would be He might be around. I think, okay. his, I think his wife might have passed, but okay. I think he's around. I could be wrong. Um, and then what's left? Basketball. Uh, yeah, if you go back in time, I'd love to speak with, you know, Bird or Magic, you know. Julius Irving. Or, or Dr. J back yes. in the day, right? Uh, but there are a lot of, I'm sure, colorful personalities to talk to in today's game as well. Let's try it. Let's do it. I'm going to roll the dice. We'll be back right here on Everything Old is New Again. Stay tuned. You never know who we're going to interview next. Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. 
Hey, this is Dr. Peter Weller, a member of the major motion picture community and television community and the artist community, and now I'm the community of everything old is new again. And I don't know, it's my third, fourth, fifth, sixth, my hundredth time on this show, but it will, how, however many it is, it is constantly a privilege and a thrill to be with Douglas and David on Everything Old is New Again. How about that? What What is it about us that Dr. Weller loves so much? Well, I'll tell you, I, I kind or, or of Or is he know. just crazy? He could be crazy, Doug. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to believe that. <laughs> like everyone listening to Everything Old is New Again, we all have a little bit of a screw loose, right? True. Um, no, I think what it is is clearly he enjoys history. He has a PhD in yes. Renaissance art history. Right. He has done a documentary or a number of them on the History Channel on, on antique architecture and so forth. He loves that aspect of it. I do try to bring some of the art in each of the conversations or a little bit, but I think history in general is of interest. And I think what he likes is that we do historical topics in pop culture, whether it be jazz. We spoke to him about the history of jazz and brought it up to the present day. Right. We did a lot of different topics. We, day the Earth Stood Still and what is the psychological and cultural significance of what was being said in that movie and it, it hit home. So I think it's the same educational sensibility that what happened before is important yes. and is the foundation for what we're seeing now, whether it be in pop culture, movies, art, whatever it might be, music, it all has a foundation. And I think that that's why he has said in the past that we're the most literal show on radio. I think we're one of the only shows that will spend an hour talking about a topic, pulling it apart, having fun with it too, and letting him speak and say many of the things that he wants to say. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you hit it right in the nose. Yeah. Okay. And, and of course, we enjoy having him on anytime. Yeah, he's... And I just, we haven't seen him... We've seen a lot of faces, if you will, of Peter Weller, but, well, let's just go do this before. I, I want to do a little more of the lighter side of our experience with uh, with Peter Weller and, and Dr. Weller. I mean, he talked about Leonardo da Vinci. If you remember, we had Leonardo da Vinci on our show, and the Halloween show in 182. If you want to find our old shows, go to, yeah, everythingoldisnewagain.biz, everythingoldisnewagain.biz, and uh, you can hear this reference. But uh, let's. Uh, I wanted to see, first of all, let's talk about Leonardo da Vinci with Dr. Peter Weller. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci visited our show a little ways back, and we joked around about it. And, and I just had a serious question for where it came from, though, is we played him off as a marketeer galore, that he was a person that marketed all of his work. Self-promoter. Every, self-promoter. Every time we, was, we talked to him, uh, he was self-promoting the Last Supper and whatever other work he was doing. In his day, did these artists and have to self-promote themselves? Or how did word get out about these last Oh, yeah, man. Look, you've hit on the... You've hit on the- it's the essence of the Renaissance. How about that? We hit upon the essence of the Renaissance completely by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> for the for the for the laugh of it, if right. you will. I mean, that was what it was. But as all far about. as Peter knew, we were like spot on. We were right there. Exactly. We, we knew exactly where this was heading. If he only knew <laughs> that this was the reference. <laughs> 
Who is this, actually? Hi, my name is uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, I should have gotten it from that, you know, from the from the getup, the costume. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I did the Statue of David. I don't know if you're familiar. You know, it's funny because you sound like Al Capone would sound. I, Al Capone would like the Statue of David. I know he'd like to steal the Statue I of David. I just didn't get that voice coming out of Leonardo da Vinci, but it's great to have I, you here. I painted the Mona Lisa. I mean, you know. You did. You did. It was a very, uh, a very uh, famous painting. Leonardo, what, uh, we have a selection of, of modern day for you, well, modern day like, candy. I'll be honest with you, it looks like a nice spread. It looks like the Last Supper here, to be honest with you. you get all uh, another famous painting you're referring to. Very Absolutely. good. You always, looks... you always pitch your work. That's good. Good to do. <laughs> I just want to make sure people understand who I am. This is the idea. I am Leonardo da Vinci. Right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Just a total improv came from nowhere, and we were uh, right on the mark. If you recall, I'll have you listen as a result once again. To- oh yeah, man! Look, you've hit on the you've hit on the essence of the Renaissance. So that was it. <laughs> what do you have to say to that? You're, uh, still, you're speechless. I, I know because I didn't know that we had stumbled on the essence <laughs> of the Renaissance. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit, Doug, is where I'm going with this. We're very perceptive. Just just too perceptive for our own good. Exactly. All in the search of a smile, uh, we came upon and stumbled upon that. And I, I think now, if, if I don't know if we should share that with Dr. Weller or not, because will that like make lessen us, us in his eyes? But maybe not, because we, it sounds like we would have planned to do that, because we knew that he was a self-promoter. We made him laugh pretty hard, too, if you remember this. A little icon, a little face, and it either has a smile, or, it's, or you're sick, or you're sad, or you're angry, whatever the feeling might be, and you have to express that feeling at the dinner table, what, what that during that day made you have that feeling, or at least would make you have that feeling, to make it come alive. So, that, I mean, think about doing that in the 50s, just my dad would have done a WTF and left. Exactly. Dad, here's a smile face. Tell us it's happy. What makes you happy today? <laughs> you have to love that laugh. I mean, that was, we should save that for to you. Or maybe I'll we'll do another barbecue. Remember a little ways back? We had a barbecue with all our guests last, last yes. two Julys yeah, ago. Right. And uh, we could use this for, for that. What makes you happy today? Sounds <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like the Joker, right? Oh, Batman. <laughs> that was a legitimate laugh. We that got was. That was an LOL. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so uh, that, that was fun to see that uh, maybe maybe that made an impression upon him. That, you know, you have a laugh like that in your life. Yeah, uh, that's that, true. So that's we'll, true. we'll see what happens. I don't know. Now, the question is with Peter Wellard, uh, Dr. Weller is um, busy. He's, he's directing things. He's uh, involved with that show Forever and some other shows. Yes, right. So he's constantly on the move. It's amazing. It really is. He, he finds the time uh, to be with us, and he spends a good amount of time with us. Working. With us, and, and while he's busy working. Right. To to be on the radio, to be on Everything Old is New Again. I just would hope and appreciate, and I think we do, all the shows that he's done, if you listen to them, he has so much information to present on top of that, he has a, a nice way about him where he he'll laugh like he just did, and he'll he'll you know listen to your thought and and debate you, 
um, so to speak. He is not afraid of different opinions. No. Uh, and he'll tell you his and, and try to convince you wh- why and where and when and all that. So I think it's a, a nice lesson for all of us. Like, you can have different opinions. You can have the arguments that you love to have and still yes. walk away, away from the table smiling. Exactly. You know, like, we don't have to be so, uh, you know, vindictive all the time because right. someone has a different opinion. They might be completely wrong. If we all walk into conversations with an open mind, it's possible that you may actually learn something and it may change your perspective a little bit or at least give you an understanding of why the other person has a different thought. I don't agree. (laughs) Why do they think Night of the Living Dead is better than The Walking Dead? I I want to ask you a question now. (laughs) I want to hear what you have to To say. No, I want to. (laughs) What? Go ahead. I was going to keep on cutting you off, but. uh, (laughs) You mean mean like any show we do? Yes, exactly. Now that you don't like you not watching Walking Dead anymore, your run for that show is over. Correct. You're probably a year away from watching one episode, right? You are correct, sir. So now you've got a little perspective. Let's go back. Which is a stronger project, Night of the Living Dead and its sequels, Dawn of the Dead and so forth, or The Walking Dead? The Walking Dead. It is. Still. Really? I just think The Walking Dead went off track. That's why I stopped watching it. But up until that time, I think it was terrific. But they've lost so many people. I, I yeah. just don't like that they've lost so many. I think that- All the original people are gone by now, by, right. by the way. I think they just, they went down a path I didn't like, and I think they honestly just started running out of ideas. I mean, it was great to see from inception of when this event happened and, and the effect it had on people. The great part of the show was not necessarily the zombies, although those were great, the, the walkers, but it was more about the effect- that that apocalypse had on human interaction. And but that, na- that was the interesting part. But now, maybe even the last two or three years, the zombies mean nothing. They're not even scary anymore to these people. Hmm. There's nothing, people are barely getting killed by zombies anymore. It's being killed by human beings. I understand right. why they're doing that and all that, but now it takes it out of really the original show, purpose. The right. whole, the whole yeah. I remember watching the first two or three years, especially the first year, I binged late night. I could not get to sleep. First of all, I couldn't turn it off and I could not get to sleep because it was really scary and it had that that element where you it really went to your soul. Sure. Now it's just two people fighting and it's it's like a western. Yeah, and, and it's know. great, right? The people fighting was a big part of the show I think before it went went wrong. But at some point, you have to reintroduce the fear again of the walkers, of right. the zombies, right? right? You can't just they're like just a, you know they're like a like water coming to shore, yeah. and, and that's you know and it's, right, it's one so. thing. Yeah, you become immune to them. I imagine that happens, and you're not as afraid of them anymore. But for the viewer standpoint, you got to keep them in the story, right? Right, I right. Mean, exactly. So anyway. all right, we'll be back right here on Everything Old Is New Again. Continue talking all things pop culture and the guests that we've had in 2018. <laughs> This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Hi, this is screenwriter and author Carl Gottlieb enjoying being on the air with Douglas Viviani and David S. Cohen on Everything Old is New Again. Oh, welcome back. I didn't know you had, your initial initial was not Gary. Oh, gee, it was S. S. I'm the guy who uh, writes for The Simpsons. Yeah, same guy. <laughs> Or produces it. Wait a minute, it Gary. Wait, David, David S. Cohen. S. Cohen is from the Simpsons. Associated with the with the Simpsons. I assume that's where that popped into Carl's head. Gotcha. Okay. Now, uh, Carl Gottlieb was the writer of the screenplay of 
Jaws. And then he did the Smothers Brothers and some other shows. So he was fun to have on a couple Definitely. of years back. Definitely. Uh, and now we're talking about the celebrities that we've we've had on the show. We've also had uh, some good experience with family members that have come on to join the Rogues Gallery, one of which is uh, Michelle DeFranco. So let's hear her speaking about uh, the changing landscape of entertainment and uh, more specifically the Munsters. And I mentioned the Munsters um, for a reason we'll find out why and if you want to go back to find out what show this is we're talking about it was show 202 again on everything old is new again dot biz website you can find show 202 everything old is new again dot biz I think the point of that show was that these people were also looked at from society as freaks, as as a different, like nobody wanted them in their neighborhood. They were often looked at, and I think you could look at that as a metaphor for a family who was different than everybody else on the on the block, and that they were awesome people. And I think that, you know, it was ahead of its time, the monster. Yeah. And, and Lily was also, I think, cool. She was a cool mom, and I think, like, she didn't take a backseat as much as you might think. We may, we should look at the monsters a little bit more. How about that? Should we look at the monsters some more? I'm always up for looking looking at the monsters more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the show was only on, how many years? Three, I think? I think two or three, that was it. The monsters run? Yeah. yeah it was short. But we still talk about it. Isn't I mean, it crazy? It really, was, I mean, it really it, had an impact on people. Yeah, and we bring that up because, and that's a little introduction to Kevin Burns, who we've heard a little bit before, but we'll hear again now from our show 235 and 236 when we spent time with Kevin Burns, right. who- The Lost in Space guy. Yeah, yeah, from the creator of Lost in, the new Lost in Space, Curse of Oak Island, uh, the Ancient Aliens uh, series. So he's a pretty big, big player. And a, and a huge Monsters fan, we found out. Exactly, right? So right. let's, Collected uh, a lot of memorabilia. Exactly. Let's hear a little bit about Fred Gwynn, perspective of Fred Gwynn from a gentleman that knew him and did a documentary about Fred Gwynn. Herman Munster. One of the big lies about Fred Gwynn is that he hated Herman Munster and he hated the Munsters. The fact is that he took it on as a challenge. He wanted the show to be better. I think he and Al felt that the scripts could be better. But they loved doing it, and I think they loved creating that role which, again, was not on the page. Like Jonathan Harris and Dr. Smith, Al and Fred really took very two-dimensional characters based on the original script, and they created this kind of Abbott and Costello, Mutt and Jeff comedy team with Al as the straight man and, and Fred as the kind of big, bumbling child. And, uh, and Fred took his mother's laugh, or his mother's voice, that, Frederick, Frederick, Lily, Lily, that's not very nice. Uh, that, that was Fred's mother. And he took the oh. prop man who worked on the show, he took his laugh, that, <laughs> That's hysterical. That wow. came from the Fred man. The, the, and he loved Herman Munster, and he loved the soul of Herman Munster. You can't do that part as brilliantly as Fred did it without loving that character. But I don't think he was prepared for the typecasting that happened afterwards. Sounds like a lot of the people from uh, Star Trek, actually, right? Think about True, it. True, right. Uh, a lot of these shows back in the 60s, you were typecast and you stayed there. That was it. You it's know? amazing, right? But so I don't think that happens so much anymore. It's you know, a good but... question. I, yeah, you don't see that. There's not many distinctive characters like a Mr. Spock or whatever it might be that you have no way of getting out of that. That's who you are. Right. It's true. Wow, interesting. Right. Now, again, Kevin Burns, we, we talk about um, Peter Weller and some other celebrities. Kevin Burns uh, really enjoyed, I think, his time on the show. We spent two hours with him, two shows, and he spoke about all of his 
incarnations and others. I knew uh, Hugh Hefner and all the Playboy bunnies, and he did. I think that he's a really interesting person, and what I'm leading to is that sometimes the the behind-the-scenes people, the producers, the writers, lend just as much, if not more, to these projects and to understanding the projects than, let's say, the actor. Yeah, I totally agree with that. As many times the actor's perspective, many times, is just their particular role and their particular you know, person that they're portraying. Right. But when you've got a gentleman like this who's recreating. Right, and oversees the whole production and sees every part of it. It's recreating this Lost in Space. What do you think of this Lost in Space? Yeah, I like it. Uh, Don't love. I'm glad they did it. Ah, that's good to hear. Well, let's hear a little something from a show that I know you love. is Counterpart. We did a show number 221 with Mido Hamada, who is on that show. Um, and, well, I don't know. He talks a little bit about everything old is new again. And his, again, I try to cross-reference David Schulner. He was in that um, show called uh, Emerald City, was it? And uh, the David Schulner. He was a showrunner, right? Was the showrunner and writer of, who's, by the way, now writing New Amsterdam and uh, ah. uh, the creator of New Amsterdam, which is a new show, which cool. we may want to revisit with him. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree. And uh, we had uh, David Schulner, believe it or not, on the show. We'll brag a little bit. Oh. David. <laughs> and I'm going to just play a smidge of a clip that he talked about. Our show talks about. Well, I'm yes, what's great about your show and what's great about the topic that you guys tackle is, I don't know, it, it was always thus. If you look at Shakespeare's plays, Shakespeare's plays were always based on someone else's plays or based on someone else. I mean, everything old is new again is not new, and, you know, in the, in the best meaning of that. Every, there, there are no new stories. All we can do is adapt our own mythology and our own stories for the day. And that's what the Greeks did, and that's what Shakespeare did, and that's what TV and pop culture is doing now. It's taking our modern myth and making them relevant. I accept the compliment of being in the same sentence as Shakespeare. I- I'm kidding. When I say that. <laughs> but, okay, there you go. Little by, by the way, David never agreed to come back again. <laughs> <laughs> so now he was uh, someone that you were working with as well. So this was a, a, a quite a talented uh, uh, ensemble, if you will, of uh, production writers, directors as well as actors so um yeah absolutely he was he was the show he was one of our showrunners on emerald city and and i think uh, you know what he was touching on there is something that i i, I absolutely 100 percent agree with there's there is only so many stories and one of the beautiful things about being in the storytelling business is <coughs> excuse me is that you get to see shows from all over the world and each country and has its own language with which it tells a story and its own unique way of telling that particular story. And that's something that I've always loved exploring and watching and seeing how various cultures and countries tell the same themes, because the themes are always the same, but how do they tell their stories? And that's the beautiful thing about human nature. We all tell our stories so differently even though the themes are all the same. There we go. And our story is everything old is new again. Yes, it is. And uh, we try Counterpart to... is back, by the way. Yes, it I, is. You'll never watch it. I, I am watching it. I have... yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> I am watching it. I'm going to be binging it this weekend. My wife is going into the city with the kids, and I will be binging it tonight. And if you look, they're promoting a free episode, first episode free. 
Of season one? Of or season the, one. Yeah, because you have to watch it from the beginning. Right. You, exactly. you won't know what the heck's going on. I'll be doing that. All right. And okay. I'm going to see if I can find uh, Mito Hamada in the in the ensemble. You'll see him. All right. Yep. And um, he was a pretty good guest. He had some fun with us. Yeah, he did. He it was really nice nicely. talking with him. Yeah. So uh, that was nice. And that was spurred on by your- Love of the show, Counterpart. Yes. And that's one of the perks of uh, working here. <laughs> <laughs> the second perk is uh, Sarah Sirioko. From the same show. She yeah. has a little bit of a bigger role. Oh, she had a huge role in What's season one. What's the character's name again? I'm going to ask a tricky Baldwin. question, maybe. Are you working, are you planning to work the entire seven months for the season? Hmm. Uh. <laughs> you don't have to answer if you're not allowed to. <laughs> I'm just trying to be tricky. <laughs> I almost got you there. I can't huh? talk. I know. I can't talk. No, you know what? But we don't We don't want you to, because no, that's part of the silly. fun. It, and I would say that... Yeah, so after, after Counterpart yeah. ends, there'll be an after show. Doug and I will be sitting there talking with you or whoever else about the episode. It'll be great. Put in a good word for us, will you? <laughs> I will. Thank, thank right. you. Terrific. Thank it was you. a pleasure meeting you. Bye. Right. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Here we go. <laughs> ciao, ciao. <laughs> go, go, there you go. Now, uh, what are you going to say? <laughs> that was that was great. To, I mean, she was a big dart in that show. I'm, Still I mean, is. Yeah, yeah. Or not. I mean, we'll have to uh, see. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. I, I've, now now well, that I've seen part of- away. I've, I've seen part of season two now, so now I am not liberty at liberty like Sarah <laughs> to say what's going to happen, because I don't want to give away any spoilers. Okay. But it was fun to have her. She called in from Italy. You believe that? And, That's uh, great. Yeah. And she, of course, English is her second language, and it was her first interview from what I understand in English in the U.S. I believe it was. And she had to learn how to speak English to play the role that she played on Counterpart. Could you believe that? That's she amazing. auditioned in English. She learned how to speak English for the audition. Yeah. And she auditioned. She got the role. And she continued to take English les- lessons. And you would never you would never know it from watching her and performance. And you never, never hear. You're not going to hear that actress. You're not going to hear her on any other radio show. But everything old is new again. True. Think about that. Right. So that's pretty cool. Uh, scoop. And uh, so watch Counterpart. Listen to Everything Old is New Again. We'll be back next week with one more look at the year 2018, the fun that we had with our family. On Everything Old is New Again, come on back and enjoy the uh, pop culture talk show of the year. Yes. One thing I wanted to add, I just want people to know, our listeners to know, that we have no affiliation with any show or network or anything. Like when we have guests on and we talk about shows we love, it's because we love the show. We have no vested interest in it. And I think that's important for listeners. You know, that is a great point because it does sound like we're promoting some of these shows. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we, yeah, we but have it's free promotion. No what interest what whatsoever. But if, if any of these stations or shows want to uh, contact us, they do so at oldnewagain at AOL.com. We would consider it. I mean, yeah, we'd have to have a little uh, insider board meeting about that because right. it does. I think it could skew, you know, Correct. your, your attitude. Well, I would suggest that we would, we would announce that we are sponsored by whatever show and then present our opinions and what have you. This way it's straight out. You know, everybody knows. That's true. Uh, Anyway, so we'll be back next week to talk all things pop culture and uh, review the year 2018 with our family on Everything Old is New Again. 